Happy Tuesday, everybody. I'm Matt Scalisi, and we are here once again, just like we are every Tuesday morning, talking SEC sports with two of the best reporters covering the SEC today. Those are my friends, John Talty and Matt Zenitz, and we are together known collectively as First Down South. That is that is the that is our boy band name, and that is uh, that's what we're going with for now. So as always. Um, this show, we love to get interaction from you guys. Comment while we're talking about our, our topics today. And, uh, and those topics are going to be uh, multi-sport. We're going we're gonna to touch on basketball a little bit later in the show. But before we do that, it's, it's a big weekend in the state of Alabama in particular um, as spring football sort of starts to come to a close. And, and the A-Day games are going to... Uh, answer some questions, probably still leave us with a few more. Um, guys, before before we get into that, just really quickly, I want to talk about um, something that our, our Alabama and Auburn football fans watching today uh, would definitely be interested in, and I, and I want to point them in the direction of uh, wherever you're watching this, uh, on our AL.com Alabama and Auburn channels, um, Right now, you can see the premiere episodes of Road to the Pros, which is our series we do every year on a uh, on an Alabama and Auburn football player who are getting ready for the draft. We tell you kind of their whole life story leading up to the moment that they get uh, chosen to play in the NFL. And this year, we got to highlight Najee Harris on the Alabama side and Anthony Schwartz for Auburn, uh, which we're really thrilled about. We're really happy with how those two things came out. Definitely go and check out those premiere episodes. Um, but, but guys, before, you know, before you can get to that point where you're becoming an NFL star, you got to prove yourself on the field. And, and John, this is a, this is a big weekend for really a lot of guys who are stepping into big roles at Alabama and Auburn. It is. I mean, I, I have to admit, I'm still a little distracted. I'm thinking about what kind of boy band member Zenitz would be. Um, that's kind of what's going through my head right now. I don't know uh, if Zenitz has any ideas. I don't know if any boy band guys want to shaved head. Zenitz might be ahead of the curve on that one. I think I think Zenitz is more of the of the uh, the Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. He's he's the he's the quiet guy in the background, mm -hmm. but you really need him there. He he provides a lot of depth. Zenitz, how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much to, to add there. I, I'm more curious gathering uh, just the, the thoughts from, from you guys. It's enlightening to me. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I, I think James, who's watching from Thailand today, uh, would, would probably would probably prefer that we that we not go too in the weeds on the boy band subject. Uh, so we'll, we'll move back to A-Day. But, Wait, but, was that James Crepe's alias, or was that a different James? It's a different James, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What was your question again, Matt? Yeah, so, I, I mean, John, I, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly wondering, you know, I, I think probably one of the – you can't accomplish everything on A-Day or in spring practice, but I think it can become a big moment for guys who are battling for, a, for an open starting job. And there's obviously a few of those that are, that are pretty crucial roles at Alabama and Auburn. I mean, let's, let's start on the Alabama side. I mean, we, we know that there's some, some big shoes to fill over there. Yeah. I mean, for, for sure. Um, and I think we're already seeing, you know, some of that 
play out to this point. But I think, you know, when I think of what are the big takeaways people are going to have after, you know, Alabama's A-Day, and I think it's A, you know, either we're going to see insane hype about Bryce Young or there's going to be, you know, some overreaction about, you know, him not performing enough. I think wide receivers are going to be big, as we've talked about in the past. You know, we know John Mechie. Uh, is a you know kind of known quantity at this point, but beyond that, a lot of questions. So seeing you know how those guys uh, perform, you know, I think will be big. And then I think you know defensively, and Matt you know has written about this and tweeted about it. You know, like the defense has performed very well in some of these scrimmages to this point. So I think you'll see you know probably some guys emerge as all right. These are probably going to be the, the big names uh, that are going to be the leaders of this defense going forward uh, coming out of spring. Matt, any anything really that you're going to have your eye on in in Tuscaloosa this weekend in terms of the the, the sort of ongoing progression in Tuscaloosa as this team tries to rebuild basically from from a national championship run last year? Yeah. Hey, I would say just looking at this from the the standpoint for fans that some of the biggest things worth keeping an eye on going into Saturday. One, John talked about it a little bit the the defense. The, the staff, uh, people inside the program are really optimistic about what they have defensively going into this year. And, and what you've seen during the course of the last couple of weeks with these scrimmages is a first-team defense that has created consistent issues for an offense that I think is going to be pretty good this year. And uh, you have a, a front seven with guys like Will Anderson, Chris Allen, an outside linebacker, providing uh, consistent pressure throughout the course of the spring. Two guys that may, may combine to, to be uh, one of the, the best, if not the, the best outside linebacker tandem in the country this year. And just overall front seven that, that's done really well throughout the, the course of the, the spring. So that's something definitely worth keeping an eye on, just the, this defense and what they look like going against that, that first team offense. To this point of the spring, when the first team defense has faced the first team offense, including during the course of these scrimmages, I'd say uh, more often than not that the defense has gotten the better of those matchups, including as recently as that second scrimmage on Saturday. That said, something else worth keeping an eye on, obviously the the new quarterback. So Bryce Young hey, has been the guy during the course of the, the spring. And, and while there have been some issues offensively uh, for that first team offense when going against the, the first team defense, you have seen some definite flashes just looking at it specifically for Bryce from Bryce during the course of the spring. And uh, just looking at the, this second scrimmage uh, specifically, which obviously they, they had on, on Saturday, Bryce started off hot, had a couple of touchdown passes when it was the one offense against the, the two defense. And, and while struggled a, a little bit just overall as an offense uh, against the first-team defense or in situational stuff later in that scrimmage, did at least have a touchdown pass to, to Cameron Latou, who's been a bright spot at tight end, uh, had, had that during the course of that scrimmage. And I think overall they, they have reason to be optimistic about Bryce just based on what he has done throughout the course of the spring and, and during the course of these two scrimmages. And, Matt, we, we do actually have a, a question from the audience that I think is worth um, – talking about Jerry Black asks about the Alabama offensive line uh you know usually a, a subject that we don't get too in the weeds on from Nick Saban and in the and in all of the press conferences through the spring but what you know any what's been the overall impression I guess of this offensive line so far this spring 
the, the offensive line is a work in progress at this point, partly because of uh, some of those injuries. So uh, we, with the second scrimmage, didn't have a Emil Echior, who's a returning starter along the offensive line. A Evan Neal uh, missed at least part of the, the scrimmage. And then you, you know, were also without as an offensive line, a, a young guy who's competing there and, and Javion Cohen. So, uh, it's going to be difficult for the offensive line, even at full strength, to, to keep up with some of these guys in the front seven defensively. But, but it makes it more challenging when you're without some key pieces like that. Fortunately for Alabama, uh, these are not things that are going to be long-term issues with these guys that would create any sort of issue heading into the season. Just kind of a temporary thing for right now. Yeah. Well, um yeah, so let, let's flip over to the other side of the state, too, that we, we've got Auburn's A-Day happening at the same time or, or on the same day, I should say, as Alabama. They, they've In years past, they've split up a little bit, and I think I think from, from a media standpoint, that's been convenient for us, but it's also been an advantage for Auburn because you don't have to share the spotlight with Alabama, which is not a fight that Auburn's going to win too often, but Brian Harson beginning his new uh, tenure at Auburn, saying, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna do things on our own time. We're not gonna worry about Alabama." I would say, in general, Brian Harson really not focusing on Alabama, not talking about them, not really um, kind of putting a target on Alabama in the way that Gus Malzahn did. Uh, just trying to do his own thing and establish his own identity over there at Auburn. John, what's what's been kind of your feeling about? you know, maybe not specifically the X's and O's part, but just sort of the way that spring and, and the first few months on campus has gone for Brian Harson. Yeah. I mean, I think it's gone fine. Um, you know, I think that there's no, I mean, I think we talked early on, you know, about some of the, the challenges of recruiting. Um, I think, you know, came in at a very difficult time, but I think he finished strong by, you know, adding, you know, guys like Dylan Brooks. And so, I think that, you know, we're building some momentum there. I mean, I, I think you guys know that I'm not someone who puts that much emphasis on spring practice. I don't think it really means that much. Um, I think it's a good way to get reps and things like that. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters that much. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to really have any major takeaways as to you know what he's doing, because I think every coach pretty much does the same thing at the beginning. You try to set your identity. You try to build the culture you want. Um, and you start, you know, trying to establish that from day one, which it seems like he is trying to do, whether that works in the long run, you know, to be determined. You know, I think one of the big moves that I've seen that, you know, I know our guy, Tom Green, I think is probably very upset about, you know, is moving, you know, JJ from tight end, which he was just a freak out there to defensive line. And he's probably, probably makes sense for him to be on defensive line. I, I think it's probably what, you know, his body type makes a lot of sense. But man, it was fun watching a 300 pound tight end, you know, roll around out there. It, it was it was probably fun for uh, for Auburn's offense. I don't think it was fun for the guys who had to try to tackle JJ Pegues, but but uh, you know I I think ultimately that does make sense, and and you never want to blow up you know one minor thing like that into a bigger deal. But you know if I was gonna be that guy, if I was gonna be the guy that says let's read into everything that that Brian Harson's doing, kind of interesting to say let let's take a thing that that. Gus Malzahn did that was sort of unique and weird and different and put people off their guard a little bit. And let's like do the thing that probably on paper makes a little bit more sense to do. Maybe is the more boring, but more sensible solution. 
Yeah, I think that checks out. And I think it's natural to, you know, one of the things that I think is important, you know, for any coach is that you have to do it your way. You know, that's how you're going to have success. And so, you know, there are other coaches that might have come in and said, all right, you know, we're already kind of doing this thing, you know, with this guy. And, you know, it's kind of working, I guess. It's fun. It's weird, whatever. I'll just keep doing that. But, you know, I do think you have to decide, all right, go up and down the roster. Where does everybody fit? And we think he fits better in this spot. And that's how we're going to use him. So I think it makes sense that he did it. Again, I think it's sad as fans to not be able to see that as much. But, I think, you know, as a coach, I think you do have to do that if you are going to want to, you know, again, establish your identity, which I think is the most important thing for a year one coach during spring practice. Yeah, Matt, just in, in terms of uh, in terms of the rest of Auburn's roster so far this spring, anything that we've seen that that jumps out at you in terms of big changes or progress or, or things that that Auburn is happy to see uh, as the spring has gone on? I'd say some of the, the things interesting development was that would be one of them. I, I think JJ is a, a guy who has a lot of upside along the defensive line. I can't remember if it was Lane Kiffin or somebody else, but there was a coach last year that, that was talking about how if he played defense, the, the kind of player that he would capable of being on side of the on that side of the ball. I, I think it was Lane. I may be wrong, but there was some coach that there was a coach last year who, who mentioned that about JJ. So now opportunity. To, to see what he's capable of along the defensive line. I think we're all familiar with the kind of athleticism that he has at this point. Uh, one of the, the other things that, that's been interesting as far as developments during the course of the spring. So uh, what have we talked about a lot about in terms of Auburn's offense aside from Bo Nix? It's going to be who's catching the ball from him and the lead guys as far as that receiver room. And you've seen – uh, Javarius Johnson emerges a guy throughout the course of the spring who seems like he could be a factor there. So Javarius is a former four-star recruit, in-state guy from Hewitt Trustville, and he has been a bright spot during the course of the spring and starting to establish himself as a potential factor there. And, and I think one, one of the big takeaways for, for me and felt this way going into the spring and still feel like this right now, um, and, and I would say – that people at Auburn probably feel the, the same way is that this may not be as much of a rebuild as what people externally may think. And, and that this roster, this team may be in more position this year to be competitive than once again, people externally may think right now. A lot of that going to come down to the quarterback position and just the continued development of the next. And that's something that will be interesting as far as a day, just getting first look at the, the 2021 version of Bo Nix within this new offense. Very interesting. De de definitely. Uh, I, I will be reading into your words uh, way more than you intended, Matt. And I will say you're, pre you're predicting a big year for Auburn. That's that's I'm I'm, I'm just throwing I'm going to start whispering that to people. Crank up the aggregation machine. Let's get Zenith aggregated. That's right. Yeah. That's how we do that. I think especially defensively with some of the guys that they were able to get back on that side of the ball, the, the Roger McCreary's of the world, the Zacoby McLean, Smoke sure. Monday, guys that they had the opportunity to move on and go pro that ultimately decided to return to school for another year. It, it has helped to put this defense in a position where I think they're going to be – be good on on that side of the ball, which obviously when you're good on defense, it helps to take the, the pressure sure. off of offense. But at the same time, have some, some pieces on offense 
including guys like Hank Bigsby, who I think are going to do some good things this year. A lot of it for Auburn, once again, and I know I'm stating the obvious, is going to come down to the quarterback position and just the continued development of Bo Nix. No doubt. And and before we move on from football um, for the spring, there were a couple of names that our commenters were asking about, one being LeBron Ray and, and uh, Shane Lee, the other guy. Matt, anything anything of note? Uh, I, I think mostly our, our commenters sort of saying, you know, these these are guys who are coming off of injuries in the past. How how have they looked or or how how does it sound like they're doing so far this spring? Benny's love Shane Lee. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron is part of a defensive line group that, that's done well throughout the course of the spring. So I, I know has rotated with, with the first team group there, but the, the two deep along the offensive line or to, along the defensive line for Alabama looks very good at this point. As far as Shane Lee, Shane Lee's a, a second team inside linebacker, but flashed some during the, the scrimmage on Saturday. Had, had two sacks during that scrimmage, and I think both sacks actually came on one series, if I remember correctly, but at, at the very least had a couple sacks while working with that second team defense. Interesting. Well and and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here real quick too and say there there's actually an ongoing discussion in our comments right now as well about Najee Harris, which we mentioned at the top of the show is the subject of um, of Road to the Pros, our new documentary series. It's going to start dropping new episodes every Monday for the next several weeks. And the discussion basically is people saying uh, he's he's not acting like we're used to seeing from Alabama football players coming out of this program. And I, I'll say this. I totally agree that he's not acting like you're tip, like you're used to seeing uh, from Alabama football players. He's a different guy. He is a he is a unique person and a unique character. And let me just tell you, if you guys are are already um, having a strong reaction to the stuff you're hearing out of Najee Harris this offseason, buckle up because the next few weeks uh, there's some stuff coming in these other episodes that is going to. Uh, Maybe be a, even more, even more of a shock to you uh, from a former Alabama player. And I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this as a positive or a negative. To me, I think it's good when there are football players that don't sound like every other football player we hear. And that, I mean, that that's us being biased towards uh, people who help us do our jobs better. But I love, I love hearing a guy be honest and speak his mind and not say the same canned answer we hear over and over again. It might be what the program and the coaches want them to do uh, because they don't want to make any waves and they want the message to be consistent. But I like to hear people say what they think. I like to hear people tell me the truth about how they actually feel. And I don't know that I've ever heard somebody. Max Khaleesi falls in that category. So that's why I love Max Khaleesi. I I don't know that I've ever heard anybody be more honest than Najee Harris coming out of college football. And so I, I, I will, I will freely admit, I consider that to be a positive attribute for him. Yep. Definitely keeps it real. Some of our fans at Alabama might not feel the same way as you, Matt, but I will say that, uh, that I certainly appreciate Najee's candor candor. And I think that, We've really seen him. I mean, maybe it's always been there, but I think maybe as he's gotten better, he's you know been allowed to talk more freely. That like I think over the last year, we've really seen him grow and his voice grow. Um, and you just think about all the things he's done over the last year. It just it's been refreshing to watch. And you know, just having gotten some of the teases of what's to come, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. T- 
tune in next Monday, next Monday morning, folks. You're gonna you're you're in for one. Um, let's move on to uh, basketball, which obviously Alabama and Auburn are are both coming off of uh, a college basketball season that was difficult, but in many ways very eventful on both sides. Um, and they're they're making the most of it right now. We're seeing big recruiting moves for both Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, let's let's start with the Alabama side of this. Um, you know, Matt, I know you've been covering uh, transfers and recruiting, and, and really on both sides for Alabama, it's it's been a very productive offseason so far. Yeah, during the, the the last seven days, I've added three guys at this point. One being a, a top thirty overall recruit in this year's recruiting class, and in Charles Bediaco, uh, a, a big man down low who could be an immediate factor for them there. And then to go along with that, add two transfers. Also, one uh, Namari Burnett, who, who was a top thirty-five overall recruit last year, a combo guard who come in and add to the rotation there at guard, a, and then. Most recently, you, you bring in uh, Noah Gurley, who Alabama has seen the, the last couple of years a, at Furman. So if you look back early in the season, the, this past year for Alabama had a game against Furman that I think Alabama only won by three. A, and Noah Gurley was a big part of that Furman team that, that helped them be competitive and helped them post something along the lines of a 16 and 9, 16 and 10 overall record. So for, for the year, Average 15, 15.4 points per game and fits the, the mold of what Alabama likes in big men and what Nate Oates likes in, in big men, which is the, the capability to, to step out and be able to, to shoot, to, to go along with having some size, which Noah Gurley does being a 6'8 a, a guy. And, and John, there, there's really, I mean, basically coming off the season they had the guys that are returning and now combine that with, you know, what a lot of the recruiting services are putting in, in the top 10 in terms of national recruiting classes. We've had a good bit of coverage about this on AL.com this week, but the hype beginning to build for, for Alabama basketball leading into next season, it's kind of, I mean, I'm surprised to see it, honestly. I mean, it was, it was a good season for Alabama, obviously, but, I mean, you're seeing some of these some of these national sites putting Alabama top five preseason going into next year. Is it is that just how the college basketball hype machine works, or or is this you know is this something that that is legit hype in your opinion? I think it's legit hype. I mean, think about it this way: they made it to the Sweet 16. They lost to a team that came extremely close to making it to the national championship game. You know, in UCLA, uh, they do lose some big pieces, but they have a lot of talent returning. And as Matt just hit on, I mean, they added three players that I can guarantee you most programs around the country would have loved to add. You know, I think that and they don't need all those guys necessarily to be starters right away. I mean, I think Gurley makes a lot of sense to start right off the bat, given, you know, coming in uh, as a grad transfer. But, you know, all three of those guys should be contributors. And, you know, guys like Cornelia coming back, you know, I think they have some, you know, primo, different people like that. There's a lot of talent already in adding those three. I mean, to me, it should be a top 10 team. Um, and I think, you know, just big picture for a second, it just shows how far Alabama has already come under Nate Oates. The fact that they are adding these three high-level players, one being a high school recruit, the other two being transfers, that, again, 
the majority of the top programs in the country were interested in or would have wanted to add. I mean, it shows a lot of progress already. And I think it shows that, you know, even after losing the, the great core that Avery Johnson left for him, that the future is very bright for NATOs going forward. And, you know, John, we've, we've, um, we've talked plenty on here about the fact that college basketball culture is a relatively new thing to our state. I've been covering sports here for longer than I would care to specifically mention, but it's not something that that typically I would say, and I'm not, I'm not insulting the fans here. I know that we have extremely uh, well-rounded and well-educated sports fans in the state of Alabama, but everybody knows how college football works in this state. It's you don't have to you don't have to watch ESPN. You don't have to to read up on how college football works in Alabama. It's it's just normal. It's baked in. Everybody's grandma knows about the SEC West standard, you know, standings and the tiebreakers. It's not the same way for college basketball here yet. But when you talk about sort of becoming that next level of program, really truly moving from being what Alabama has been traditionally to becoming a blue blood, uh, how difficult is that in college basketball? How often do you see something like that really happen? Well, I mean, I don't know if Alabama will ever become a blue blood in basketball, in part because the emphasis is always still going to be on football. You know, think sure. about – I do kind of – I think you can be great at both. And I think there's a very good chance Alabama will be great at both eventually. But I do think – we think about what are the blue bloods in these different sports. We think about basketball. It's all schools that we identify as basketball first. It's Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Indiana. I mean – Indiana was a little better this past year than Tom Allen, but none of those are football-heavy sports. And so sure. I don't know if Alabama is ever going to get to that status because, again, I think that you go to a game at Duke or UNC or any of these other places, like it's so obvious it's what they care the most about, whereas that's just never going to be the case at Alabama. But I think what you're seeing um, across the SEC or of other schools is – and I wrote about this years ago. It was a major emphasis for Mike Slive for the, these football-heavy schools to start taking basketball seriously. And Greg Senke has carried that on. And I think what you're finally seeing is all these schools that generate hundreds of millions of dollars in football finally deciding, all right, we can't just keep – I mean, we, don't, we only need so many, you know, like water fountains and spas and all this different stuff that we're building into practice facilities. Like, why don't we use some of this money for basketball? And so you're seeing them invest heavily in basketball coaches. You're seeing them invest in – improving facilities, all these different things. So finally, the football schools are using some of their money, which is why I think you saw Alabama was good this year. Arkansas was good this year. You know, they're getting better, I think, because they're finally investing in it. So that would be what I would want to pay attention to for Alabama going forward is do we finally see the Coleman renovation? Do we see, you know, NATO's is going to be a very attractive candidate for a long time. We've already seen Greg Byrne do one thing, but like, will they keep bumping up his salary to keep him? You know, there's some different things that, it will take commitment-wise for Alabama to continue to rise in status. But having Nate Oates is a great first step, and now I think it's just about continuing to invest financially if you want that program to be at a higher level. And just looking at it from a roster standpoint, not only are they in position to once again compete for some of the things that they accomplished this past season, but, I mean, you, you could make a legitimate case, legitimate argument that based on what they have on the roster for this year, that this is arguably a better looking roster than even what they had during this historic season 
for them that this past year. But the, the, the good thing for this program, something that uh, people within the fan base should feel encouraged about, not, not, only are, not only are they in position to once again compete for some big time things this year, but they have some talented young guys that are going to have this program set up to go along with being led by someone like Nate Oates, obviously, and some of the people he has on his staff. Uh, they, they have this program set up to sustain this for a little while now. This is not an Alabama program that's just going to disappear right, at some point in the near future. They should be good for a little while and be competing at a, a very high level, including this coming season. Now, of course, part of this is uh, part part of being successful and having sustained success. You don't do it in a vacuum. You you have to you have to beat the teams that you have to play, and you have to out recruit your rivals. And for Alabama. That's part of why this has been such a big move up because we saw across the state Auburn invested in a big way in basketball before Alabama did, building the big arena, hiring the big-name coach, and it paid off. They made a Final Four run, and and they obviously didn't have a great season last year. But, you know, look, we've we've got an Alabama commenter in here. Why, Why all the talk about Auburn? But, but the truth is because so – We barely talked about Auburn. No, but the truth is it's, it is – if you're an Alabama fan, you should care what Auburn's doing uh, on the basketball side because it has, it has an effect on what Alabama's going to be able to do. And, Matt, we, we just talked about all the, all the additions that Alabama's made to the roster this offseason, but Auburn had a huge one yesterday. Yeah, a big one, literally, a seven-foot one addition with Walker Kessler. So didn't play a ton this past year for North Carolina, but did some good things at the end of the season. And just looking back at him as a recruit, uh, a five-star guy in last year's recruiting class who was a top 25 overall guy nationally. So significant for them, especially when you look at just the, the fact that Auburn has lost some pieces throughout the, the course of this offseason to this point. This is a significant get, significant addition for them. And even though he did not play a ton for, for North Carolina, you did see some flashes. And hey, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was against. It might have been Florida State, but, but it had a game towards the, the end of the regular season for North Carolina. We got a little bit more playing time and finished with the stat line along the lines of uh, 20 points, eight rebounds, had a few blocks in there against, I, I believe it was Florida State, who obviously was a very good team uh, nationally this year. Yeah, I remember seeing at least some speculation that, you know, Kessler's decision to leave UNC played a role in Roy Williams deciding to, to retire. You know, it was, he was a guy that he thought he could develop and him wanted to, I think, go elsewhere. I think was one of the, the final uh, nails uh, in the coffin, I guess you could say. But, um, you know, Squeeze, I disagreed with you. The point I was going to make was that I think one of the things we, we've seen these two schools kind of battle back and forth, you know, like, you know, Alabama starts to have a little success and Auburn invests more. Then I remember, you know, Bruce Pearl makes that run and then Alabama moves on from its coach and they try to, you know, there's some back and forth there. But I think what would help both programs is if they're good because it helps the rivalry. We see it, you know, we all follow people, you know, on Twitter who are big basketball fans. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to see them go back and forth. It hasn't reached everybody yet. But I think if Auburn's at a high level and Alabama's at a high level, those games will be better. People will feel more about them. They'll care more. And that's what I think will ultimately help, you know, both. So, you know, Alabama – uh, clearly has set the bar high, I think, after this past year, and Auburn didn't have a great year. They lose a huge player, Sharif Cooper, who was obviously their best player this past year. But adding somebody like Kessler does help add some talent. And, you know, now that Auburn has a chance to make the postseason this year, you maybe you'll see uh, 
a better level of basketball uh, from them. Overall, just the, the 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 best thing for both programs in this state is for college basketball to be something that, like I said, everybody's grandma in the state knows what's going on with college basketball. I think I think if we can get to that point in this state, uh, the, the the programs are both going to be more consistent. It'll be a part of the culture. You're not going to see empty seats in the stands anymore. Um, but but it it's got to. I, I think I think the success needs to come first. The win, the winning has to come first, and that's how you get buy in from a lot of fans in this state. So we'll uh, we'll see how things develop. It's going to be an interesting year to go into. The hype is going to be there. I think for both programs this year. Okay, uh, the, the coming from from Mescalisi already. So Mescalisi referenced it earlier in the show. It's been around for a while, and I saw the the comment pop up about the the Wim Sanderson era at, at Alabama. Right. I, I know you were young. You were only a teenager at that point, Matt. But it, it has to feel like you're getting back to kind of that that level of the, the teenage Mascalisi years. I, with just- I can't I can't believe you're saying that I was a teenager when Wimp Sanderson was the coach, Matt. This that's one of the most insulting things that I've ever been told. <laughs> I was a I was a young child. I, I I think I do remember having having a uh, a basketball that you could get from Hardee's back then in the Wimp Sanderson era that had all the SEC logos on it. That's, that's my only real memory of Wimp Sanderson basketball until uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to do a radio show uh, on a weekly basis with Wimp a few years ago. And I will just tell you guys that uh, it was extremely entertaining and that a lot happened in the commercial breaks that I wish you all were able to see along with me. I, I, I just feel bad now because apparently I got bad information because the the info that I got on Matt Scalisi during the Wimp Sanderson era was uh, going through the, the high school years and doing movies like Mannequin and uh, just following basketball as much as possibly could at, at that point. So apparently yeah. I was getting bad, bad info. When you establish like a Zenit's weirdo corner at the end of every episode. Where I you mean, it already happens. Weird facts that are not true about any of us and just let them go. <laughs> It already happened, whether we established it or not. I think you actually talked about the movie Mannequin. When was the last time you even heard that come up? I, I mean, I'm aware of it. I, I, as a lot of, as a lot of my followers know, I am, I have a weird obsession with '80s movies. But, but I, to be clear, I did not see them in the theater because I was a child. I am not that old, so it's a, it's a thing that has come on later in my life. We need right. to bring on uh, Reiner as a guest one day and just ask him about '80s movies that are very yeah. short. We'll, we'll I guarantee you, I've never seen Mannequin and probably seen it multiple times. And probably break it down scene by scene. We'll do an we'll do an episode one day where we ask all of our fans what uh, what movies what movies they saw at the Bama Six Theater in Tuscaloosa when they were in college, and you'll get you'll get some some really wild answers. Uh, John, yeah, sorry to add one more. No, you're thing. fine. I, I guarantee Reiner liked Weekend at Bernie's. I, I guarantee that was a Reiner movie back in the day. Not surprised. Not surprised yeah. at all. All right, guys, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there before we get any further into the weeds. Once again, everybody go check out Road to the Pros. Uh, big discussion earlier in the show about Najee Harris's episode. You're going to want to go watch that that episode that premiered yesterday to see what everybody's talking about. Uh, you can you can find it on this channel wherever it is that you're watching us, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. So go check that out. Go check out the Anthony Schwartz version of it on our Auburn channels today, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of First Down South.